special warm welcome to all our visitors and our guests and to all those watching on the internet. This reading is taken from Rays of the One Light, written by Swami Kriyananda with commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Today's topic is, In Surrender Lies Victory. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. A case might be made for surrender as a path to victory in worldly conflicts, the way of passive resistance, for example, in preference to armed resistance. But our point here concerns a higher kind of surrender, the surrender of our deluded egoic will to the wise and almighty will of God. Human will is, as Paramahansa Yogananda used to say, guided by whims and limited understanding. The divine will is in harmony with every level of reality. Though the divine will sometimes appears to us at first to be wrong, it proves always, eventually, to be for our highest good. Human will is inconsistent. It leads us one day to success, another to disaster. The divine will, when we surrender it completely, though it is not always easy to do so, always brings us deep inner peace and joy in the end. Jesus Christ demonstrated this perfect surrender to God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was captured and imprisoned, preparatory to his crucifixion. He went apart from the others to pray and asked them to pray also. But when he returned to them, he found them asleep. Out of his love for them, he excused them, saying, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He then urged them again, saying, Watch and pray. Their weakness in those circumstances was particularly sad, and the disciples themselves must have regretted it bitterly later on. We all know the symptoms of human weakness, though we may excuse it, excuse them in ourselves, saying, Well, after all, I'm only human. But what are the signs of true strength? We find in all cases that these are the fruit of a life wholly surrendered to God. The Bhagavad Gita lists these signs in the 13th chapter. Humbleness, truthfulness, and harmlessness. Patience and honor. Reverence for the wise. Purity, constancy, control of self contempt for sense delights self-sacrifice perception of the certainty of ill in birth old age and frail mortality disease the ego's suffering and sin detachment lightly holding thoughts of home children and a wife those ties which bind most men an ever-tranquil heart, heedless of good or adverse fortune, with the will upraised to worship me alone unceasingly, loving deep solitude and shunning noise of foolish crowds, calm focus on the self perceived within and in infinity. These qualities reveal true wisdom, Prince. All that is otherwise is ignorance. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh.
I also would like to welcome you. It's wonderful to have you here at Ananda Village for Sunday service. And I'd like to begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. This is Yogananda's book of answered prayers and prayer demands. Tune us that we may hear thy voice. Volumes of thy Savior voice resound through the loudspeaker of every loving heart. The voice of thy wisdom roams through the ether of space, seeking everywhere hearts that are tuned to ecstasy. Sadly, thy warning sermons pass unheard by souls deafened with the static of sense pleasures. O divine broadcaster, tune our souls long distracted by the static of our indifference, fine-tune us with the delicate touch of soul perception. Grant us the privilege of hearing thy magic melodies in the ecstasy of divine awakening. So this topic is an interesting one, and I found it interesting that Swami Kriyananda, in writing the commentary, focused on the uh, time of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a very dark time in human history, and for those of you that know, the cycles of time keep going, and we're luckily now in an upward swing. Jesus was in a downward, in dark time, and in a downward swing, and so the willpower just thinking of the will and the willpower required of his disciples, which was their reality in that time, was very intense. They had to withstand a lot and did so, in fact. The ones that were close to him went on to become very great spiritually and tested until the end. Most of them were martyred. In fact, I remember when we lived in Italy, we went to Rome and visited St. Peter's and all of that. And it actually, I went one time later, and it was actually inspiring, knowing that I, could, I meditated there and could feel the uh, focus of people from all over the world focusing on that place and the life of Christ. However little or great they understood that life, they still were focusing there. And... Uh, but that, uh, that time for those disciples, we got, when we went there the first time, a, it was a big uh, poster of all of the popes, starting with Peter, and it just had each of them listed up until the present. I think it was, was 1985 or 1990, something like that. Um, for the first about 300 years, all of the popes were martyred. I thought, oh my God, (laughs) wow. (laughs) No wonder Christianity survived. They gave their blood, literally. But, uh, But that was a heavy time, and willpower in that time looked a little different. In our time, it's even defined differently. Yogananda, when he came to this country in 1920, around, I think it was, he landed here in, on September 20th. So last month, just a few weeks ago, uh, he landed in Boston. But he, although an avatar, really 
exemplified for all of us, gave us the example of what it meant to use willpower in, in our time. And willpower for all of us is essential. And I want to talk also about the kind of the interaction between willpower and the superconscious because they do interact. Otherwise, you would think, is it just will, 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 and what happens? You know, do we ever get beyond that? And uh, Yogananda, though, when he was coming to this country, I was reading uh, the uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, a biography that Swami Kriyananda wrote not that many years ago, I think in 2011. And uh, it has wonderful stories in it that are kind of filled out from what Yogananda gave us in the autobiography about what he went through. And specifically, what he went through to actually get to this country was pretty amazing. He, um, he had a vision, as most anyone who knows, who has read the autobiography, where he saw thousands of faces passing before him. And this was when he lived... Um, at Ranchi, he had uh, developed his school for a couple of years with all the boys, and uh, all of a sudden one day he had this vision of all these faces, and his immediate thought was, "These are Americans." And he he knew, uh, you know, in another way that this was going to be his destiny to go to America. But how he describes it at that time is that these are Americans, and wow. I think I'm going to America. This is what this vision is about. And so, as he said, the little boy who comes in and finds him right at that moment when he was having this vision, he tells him, you know, Bimal, I I think I'm going to America now. And so, you know, he goes out and tells the whole school. Four hours later, he was gone. He left the school in four hours. He packed he gave his responsibilities to the other staff. He said goodbye to everyone there. And he said, I have to go right away. And so he entrained for Calcutta. And the very first place that he went in Calcutta was uh, Sarampur to see his guru. And so it's interesting. You know, he had the vision. And then he went to check it out with Sri Yukteswar. And he said, is this true? And this, is this what I'm really understanding? And Sri Yukteswar said, yes, the time is now, you must go. And so then he put the ball in motion, but he, from Swami Kriyananda's filling out of that story, it was almost impossible for anyone to go outside of India at that time, especially an Indian national. You don't just get on the first boat after World War I and go to America. He didn't have a passport, for one thing. And, uh, but because, you know, again, it was his karma to do this, and so he put his full will behind doing this. And uh, he uh, ran across a man who said, oh, I have a friend who's going to a conference there in Boston, religious liberals, it's a congress, and maybe you should talk to him. The man said, oh, yes, well, because you've done this school, you'll be the representative from India for the organization that started your school. And so that was taken care of. He got the invitation. But then he had to get the passport, and he had to get on the boat. <clears throat> and so he went to the shipping office, and the English clerk there 
again, remember India and England and, you know, that whole scene was going on. And so he went there and uh, the man said, oh, no, no, there's, there's no passage. It's fully booked. First ship out of India back to England at that time after several years. And uh, he said, no, no, I'm, I'll be on that ship. And the man really got really angry because he kept saying, there's nothing. And he said, I'm sailing on that ship. And he had a friend, Yogananda had a friend with him. And by the time they left, Yogananda said, well, write my name down to the clerk. And so he said, okay, okay. He wrote it on his uh, cuff. And, uh, you know, just as a kind of, yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, they left. And, and then, you know, there was that part. The passport... He had a connection with an uncle, connected, and he was able to get the passport. But then there's always the little thing of money, and he didn't have any. He had been building a school, doing it on his own. It was his, again, dharma to do this. So he went back to the booking office and said, okay, where's my passage? And the man said, oh, well... And he said, where is my passage? And he said, well, there was one cancellation, but you couldn't afford it. It's a first class. And he said, oh, I think I can afford that. So he didn't have any money yet. But he said, I think I can afford that, and here's my passport. So that was kind of taken care of. And then the last part was actually very touching. because. uh, And by the way, when he went back to that office... He said to his friend, will you come with me? And the friend said, oh, no, that man almost shot you before. (laughs) I'm not going back there. So anyway, Yogananda went back. He went, did the thing with the man and, you know, had the the booking. He said, I'll be right back with the deposit for it. And uh, so he went home and uh, his father, he told everyone in his family what was happening. And his father said, well, where will you get the money to go? It won't come from me. And Yogananda said, well, I didn't think it would come from you, but Divine Mother will give it to me because this is what's trying to happen. This is my dharma to do. And uh, so he just waited until the next morning, and his father, um, after saying that very strongly, had left a check with his sister, one of Yogananda's sisters, for the amount that he needed for the passage and enough to live for a while in America. When he came back to his house, the father later on that day, Yogananda said, I can't take this money. I don't want you to feel coerced. And he said, I'm not giving it to you as your father. I'm giving it to you as a disciple of Lahiri Mahashai. And then he wept. And he said, will I ever see you again? And Yogananda at that point said, Three months. I'll give it three months. If the Americans need me, I'll stay. And as Swami Kriyananda writes in the book, the rest was history. So he went and and stayed for 15 years, in fact. But his willpower attuned to the divine, because that's the key always. It's not just our own willpower. But without that, we can't really accomplish much of anything. And in fact, not only accomplish much of anything we can't attune to a higher consciousness. I don't know how you all were, but when I was growing up, I had a fine childhood. There was nothing wrong with it on a material level, on a mundane level. But later on, when I came on this path, I thought the one thing that my parents and nobody that I knew could give me was something higher, was that 
and not only knowing about something higher, but knowing how to access it. How do you actually access that higher consciousness? Well, willpower is the first step. You must develop your will. Now, Swami Kriyananda in our time, since it's more lighter, we're in an age of energy and will. Yogananda said the greater the will, the greater the flow of energy. Um, is that he said, think about it as willingness. So in other words, not grim will, I will do this, but willingness of spirit, willingness to do things. And I would say that for many of the beginning years of Ananda, that's what we lived. When I came to Ananda, I had just read the autobiography. I was just for a visit the first time. But when I arrived, I thought, feels like the autobiography to me, because the energy was more about can-do. There was nothing here. I mean, we had no buildings, we had nothing, we had no money, we had lots of people, you know, some people were in tune and other people weren't, and, you know, but, but Swami Kriyananda always was at the core of saying, okay, we're going to build a community now, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, we're going to have publications building, and we'll go outreach, and, and it was like, oh, okay, you know, there wasn't a thought that we couldn't do it. And that's one of the ways, there, in fact, in the longer readings from this particular topic, he gives five or six ways to develop will and attune that will to the divine. And one is to get out of the no-saying principle. You know, just don't do that. Say yes, always. And then also look for opportunities, ways to serve, and look for solutions. Don't look for the problems. That's the, the lower level of consciousness. And when I was referring to my childhood, I lived with a family that was, you know, they weren't super conscious, but they were, they were looking for solutions. It wasn't terrible. But the super consciousness and accessing that just takes it into a whole other realm of possibilities. And you find... You can do anything. Everything that you see around you here today was not here when I came. We manifested it somehow. Started out, built a foundation. Three years later, built the buildings. You know, got money in between and all of that. But it was through that will and willingness. You know, Sister Kanamata had an interesting way of stating this. She said, Say yes and make it snappy, and then and then fi- and then figure out how you're going to do it. <laughs> you know, and she was referring to when the guru asks you to do something, so you really are attuning to God's will. But it's a good one to keep in mind because it's more just just say yes. You know, even if you're not able to do it perfectly, or if you make a mistake or you blow it doing it, at least you've got the energy moving. And that is huge. No saying stops the energy. There's no movement. And there's no possibility of expanding and of moving into those higher realms. If we don't move into the higher realms, they're trying. As I felt at St. Peter's, I have to say, I felt that because so many people would come there and would be praying to Jesus, that I felt that Christ consciousness was there, but there was nobody to receive it. 
not nobody, but most people didn't know how to open up to it, didn't know how to draw it, didn't know how to live in it. And without that, it sort of caps it. You don't, you're not able to go anywhere. You may develop great willpower, but if it's not attuned to the divine, it won't accomplish those greater things and those more superconscious possibilities. There's an interesting little kind of a joke, joker. Yeah, I guess it's a joke. Anyway, it's um, uh, two men out in a boat with a dog, and they're hunting, duck hunting. And so it just reminds me of, you know, super consciousness and wanting to attune to that. And so you'll, you'll wonder why. But, um, but so one of the men is a friend and the other one has the dog. And so uh, they're shooting ducks. And so the man with the dog shoots a duck and the duck falls in the water. And the dog jumps out of the boat and runs across the water and grabs the bird and brings it back. And his friend is sitting there going... Nothing is said, you know. He said, okay, well, I won't say anything, you know. And then it happens again. And the dog again jumps out, runs across the water, grabs a bird and brings it back. And finally, the friend, he says, hey, didn't you see that? And the man says, yeah, stupid dog can't swim. (laughs) But when, when I heard that, I thought, you know, that's what a lot of people say about the supernatural and the superconscious. When they see things happening, they say, oh, well, it was because of this or that, something very mundane. But in effect, what begins to happen is that we begin to get in a flow of that superconscious energy and consciousness that allows us to access a much broader and higher reality. I've always really loved that story, and it's simple, of Swami Kriyananda being in the Calcutta airport. He was in India, he was visiting Calcutta, and he really wanted to see a friend of his that he had known in Davis, who was now living back in India, but not in Calcutta, he was in Bhubaneswar, 300 miles south. And so he thought, well, I never got his address, and I don't know where he is, and so I probably won't be able to see him. And so he arrived in Calcutta at the airport, and he was looking around, and the people that were supposed to meet him weren't there. And when he told this story, he said, now what would be your reaction? Well, where are they? And I should find a phone, and I should run around. And he said, I didn't. I just stood there, and I just thought, well, Divine Mother, what do you have in mind here? You know, what, what's supposed to happen? He said, in that moment, an Indian man came up to him and he said, what is your good name? And he said, Swami Kriyananda. And he said, I thought it must be you. You know, I, I was hearing from you from a Dr. Mishra. And Swami said, oh, but I wanted to meet him. And I don't have his address. Can you give it to me? He said, oh, you don't need that. He'll be in Calcutta. I'm going to see him right now, in fact. He said, if I had reacted in a regular way, in a more conscious way, I would have missed that whole connection. And he did get to see Dr. Mishra and, in fact, had a place to stay, which he wouldn't have had otherwise, and all of that. But it's things, just simple things like that. And those actually 
are the things that I've really appreciated most about the life of Swami Kriyananda and our life, our life here at Ananda is that it's common sense. We use our will. We try to attune to God's will as well, to attune that will to God's will, to be doing the right thing, and to be aware that there is a broader reality of superconsciousness that will come in to help us and to move us along. And that really, you know, when you come to Ananda, the village and the expanding light here, that's the energy that you feel because that's how all of Ananda was built, through that, through attuning to that and through moving into that and saying, yes, it exists and let's do it. Let's cooperate with what Divine Mother and God are trying to give us. This is a simple, personal thing that I wanted to share with you. Just recently, we have had car karma. And car karma is always... I don't like car karma, but it comes up every so often. Meaning, the car breaks down, you go to town, it stops, you know, things like this. And so you fix the car, and you do that. And, and so we had put a fair amount into our car, which it was you know, 1999 Honda Civic, and, and uh, then, you know, we were about to go on two weeks of vacation and drive about 1,300 miles, and I said, you know, we just have to go. And we both agreed, Pranava and I, that this is what we would do. And so, not quite halfway through, the check engine light went on again, and I thought, no. <laughs> we're not doing this anymore there's nothing wrong with you <laughs> and so we, we talked about that was my thought you know. and then I said how do you feel about this so we just said yeah you know this is our vacation we don't want to stop at the car place and then they say well we're not sure and let's poke around and so, so we just kept driving and you know we drove over 700 miles it was fine. The car worked better than ever. We had got great mileage. We got home, and then I thought, you know, I think that's a sign for us to move this car onto someone else, which we did, someone who lives here. And uh, it's a very good car. But then when we came back, I thought, oh, now we have to buy another car. What a bummer. You know, just looking, I never liked that whole process. Most people don't. But anyway... After we got back, we were checking emails, gone for two weeks, and and then on Sunday afternoon, before going to work the next day, I thought, well, let me not be resistant to this. Let me not say no to this. So I I thought, well, I'll just check Pioneer Motors online, you know, see what their inventory is. They haven't had anything, but you never know. And I looked, and the car that we now have popped up, and I thought, oh my God, that's our car. And so the next morning, rather than going to work after two weeks, gone, I went in and we got a car. And I thought at the time, and I still think, it's Divine Mother's gift to us. It's like it was so perfect and it was even better than what we were looking for. But it was like I just stopped resisting that process. And then energy, that's a very simple minor thing. But things like that happen all the time when you get in that superconscious flow and when you put out willpower and energy to do things. It is essential. Willpower, attuning to the divine, basically represents the opening. 
for that superconscious to be able to come in and to operate in our lives, to give us many, many things and to help us greatly in ways that we can't even imagine. But without that, without us moving the energy and using the will, and as we say in the purification, I seek purification by the grace of God. We don't just come up and get it. We have to seek it. We have to want it. And we have to use and develop our own will and willingness and knowing that As Yogananda said, and I'll close with this phrase, effort ends in ease. And that's what he was talking about. When you put out that effort, then the ease of the superconscious, you can work with that. It can happen for you. And the reason I told that little story about the dog and the boat and all of that is that if you say, oh, well, that was nothing. Oh, well, we got a car. No, Divine Mother gave us a car. No, Divine Mother gave Swami that experience of meeting Dr. Mishra because he wanted to. Uh, You know, so things open to it, in other words. And then you will find in your own life, effort ends in ease.